Matthew chapter 11, verse 25 to 30, and that can be found on page 29 of the Matthew booklets on your seats. So starting at verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thanks so much, Chun. See, Chun, you've still got your scarf on. It's spring now. You don't, don't need that anymore. <laughs> now, on Sunday morning here, the Sunday morning congregation, there was a little interview, as you might expect, about the new year. And the interviewer, Henry, sat over here, asked a, a chap called Rob what his hopes were, his fears, and his ambitions for 2023. And I think Rob is a, a civil servant in Whitehall. And so I guess, you, you know, you can imagine what he said. I'm, I just want to keep my hours down to only 35 hours. And actually, ambition, that's kind of an alien concept for a civil servant. <laughs> so only joking. I used to be a civil servant. But in fact, what Rob did say very helpfully was... His big aim and ambition for 2023 was to stay Christian. But I'm ashamed to say that as he said that, to stay Christian, for a few seconds a thought flashed across my mind and I thought, what? Is that it? Your modus operandi, your big idea for the year ahead, facing all the crises, all the opportunities that are going to come up in 2023, to be a Christian. That's, that's all you've got. Surely there is something more exciting, more profound than that. Now, you see, the night before, which would have been New Year's Eve, while I'm sure you were out painting the town red, I was scrolling through the Guardian website. Don't judge me. And you won't be surprised to, to hear that what I came across was an article entitled, How Can You Be the Best Possible Parent? lover, friend, citizen, tourist. And then there was a whole series of articles by different people talking about what they're going to do differently in 2023. All about being more disciplined, more effective, all the stuff you can imagine. Now, to balance myself out, I then had a look at the Daily Telegraph. But basically, it was the same kind of thing, just a few more tweed jackets and barber jackets, but basically the same. You want to transform your 2023, here's our list of the best self-help books. Now, it's easy to mock this stuff, isn't it? But it can make us feel like maybe there are people out there who are acing life, and we're not. Maybe it's just me, but sometimes I'm left feeling, if I just take Rob's advice and I just focus on being Christian this year, am I in danger of missing out? or going completely off track. So what we're going to do this lunchtime is we're going to look at those 
verses, just the last three verses that, that Chun read for us, verses 28 to 30 on page 29. And in this fantastic invitation that Jesus Christ gives, he explains what it actually means to be Christian in 2023 and why Actually, Rob was right. Being Christian is enough. And in fact, it's the only way to have a successful, fruitful new year. Take it again. Take a look again, please, at verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So let's remember that when we talk about being a Christian in 2023, We're talking about coming to Jesus Christ. We're talking about walking through every moment of this year with him. Now, it sounds obvious, but if you scan your eye over those three verses again, you'll see it. Come to me. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and lowly. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So being a Christian is not primarily about assenting to a set of principles or concepts or values. Jesus is doing much more than just calling us to follow his example or learn from his teaching. Wonderfully, it's much more personal than that. He doesn't even say, come to God, does he? He says, come to me. Now, sometimes, sadly, Christians are guilty of saying, come to our church, And we'll teach you, and we'll disciple you. We'll show you what it's like to to have what God wants for you. We lay a burden on people, don't we? This is the program that you need to follow. But that's not right. It should be all about Jesus. We should always be pointing to a relationship with him. Now, maybe you're here today, and you have decided for 2023 that this is the year that you're going to get to grips with what Christianity is all about Well, that would be fantastic, the best thing you could do with your time. And we'd love to help, so please do come, come to church, come and join us, come to one of those Christianity Explored courses that starts next week, read a gospel with a friend. But remember, when you're doing that, when you're hearing hearing the Bible, when you're in your study group, whatever it is, remember it's all about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And through him, a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And certainly, it's worth saying, isn't it, that nobody else can say what Jesus says here. Nobody else can offer that. Socrates, Plato, the Buddha, Muhammad, Greta Thunberg, Kim Kardashian. They can say, follow my example. Come and be like me. But they can't say to everyone, can they? Come to me. Walk with me this year. And Jesus' invitation, yes, it's personal, but also it's all-encompassing, isn't it? Have a look at verse 29. Jesus makes this call to us. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, a couple of you guys I know work in insurance. Those of you at home may well be working in insurance as well. And it's easy for all of us, I think, to fall into this idea that A relationship with Jesus is basically just a kind of insurance policy. We make a commitment at some point, and then we get on with our lives, we muddle through life, and we have this vague comfort in the back of our minds that we'll be able to draw on that insurance policy when the grim reaper eventually comes knocking. 
But a relationship with Jesus, walking with Jesus, is much more than that. As you bind oxen together with a, a wooden plank to plow a field, that's what Jesus is asking us to do. He's saying, join with me. Live your life my way. Jesus wants us to be with him, to get to know him, and as we do that, to become more like him, to behave like him. So where does this leave all that stuff in the Guardian, in the Telegraph? Where does this leave other religions? Where does this leave that fitness regime that my wife would love me to engage in? Well, as part of God's common grace to us, there is a lot of common sense out there that we can learn from. So if getting better sleep helps us walk with Jesus more, or if a masterclass on managing our money will help us get to know Jesus more, or a bit of medication is going to help us, then that's a good thing. Let's give thanks for it. But the issue is, what is shaping our life? What is actually defining how we live our life? What are we relying on? Who is it that we are yoked to? I think it's a good thing at the start of a year to just ask ourselves, what are we tempted to yoke ourselves to other than Jesus? What are we tempted to surrender to other than him? So perhaps a good diagnostic question might be to ask, if something is really difficult, really challenging you, what is your knee-jerk reaction? Where do you turn to? Who do you turn to? The point is that all of us have a belief system. We all have a worldview that we use to make sense of life. Maybe it's a formal religion. Maybe it's just our own set of opinions that we got from our mother-in-law. Whatever it is, how do we engage with relationships? How do we deal with work? How do we manage suffering? What's going to happen when we die? Is there a day of judgment? How do we deal with all of that? comes from our worldview. My wife told me the other day that phone users, on average, touch their phone 2,617 times a day. I hadn't realized she was counting. But it's, I guess it's a, a silly thing. It's just a small thing. But where are we turning to? How often do we actually flick open the Bible and think, what is Jesus saying to me? How is he, is he leading me? What is it that's leading us this year. And actually, I think there's only two approaches to life. When you boil it down, when you boil down all the other religions, when you boil down all other worldviews, they're all about self-help at the end of the day. That's what they come down to. And so there are two yokes that we can take on, either Jesus's yoke or the yoke of some kind of self-reliance. Now, to understand more about what it means to live Jesus' way, I'd encourage you to come back week in, week out, every Tuesday. We're going to be carrying on going through the Sermon on the Mount. William will be back next week to show us that, and we'll see what does it look like to live with Jesus day by day. But maybe you're asking, well, why should we come to Jesus? Why should we accept his yoke rather than anything else? Well, have a look at that verse again, verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Why should we walk with Jesus in 2023? Well, because he is the king, as we surrender to him, who gives us a yoke that leads to rest. You'll see in verse 30, a a yoke that is easy, a burden that is light. Whereas all these other yokes, they leave us burdened, weary, laboring under a heavy load that we, can't, we cannot bear. Now, over the last few days, we've heard, obviously, about the, the death of Pele, 
Vivian Westwood, Pope Benedict, and the phrase rest in peace has been trotted out many, many times. But what does Jesus actually mean when he says rest? Now, please try to push out of your minds thoughts of city lawyers being burned out at the age of 35 and then going to a rest home, or those Christmas holidays we've just had watching Netflix. What does Jesus mean by rest? Now, it's a massive Bible idea. I guess lots of us will know that. And it's not about inactivity. Now, I was thinking of saying that instead of the word rest, we perhaps should use the word relief. Jesus is offering us relief from the weariness of human striving and man-made religion. But when I mentioned that to my wife, she said that made her think of going to the toilet. So... We won't mention that. So maybe refreshing or rescue, restoration is perhaps a better word. But let's try and put our finger on it. What does Jesus mean when he says, I will give you rest? I spoke to someone this morning who said he woke up today at 4.30 a.m., 4.30 a.m., absolutely pumped about coming back into the city. And he works in insurance, I'll introduce you to him later if you'd like. Now, some of us here today will be like that. Others of us will be absolutely terrified about the year ahead. But I guess all of us, as we look at the year panning out before us, we're longing, aren't we, for a better life in some ways, a better world. We all want some, in some way better relationships, better health, peace in Ukraine, a better job, whatever it is, better finances. And when we long for for that, we are getting close to what Jesus means by rest. But we're still only getting close. It's much more than that. Remember, at creation, God rested on the seventh day. He didn't do that to take a break. He was still working, sustaining creation. But he saw that everything was good. Everything was complete. Everything was working as it should. That's what it meant for for him to rest. And the six days of creation, you remember they had a morning and an evening. The seventh day, there was no morning and evening. The seventh day is endless. The seventh day pictured the goal of creation, this ongoing state where everything is harmoniously working perfectly in harmony between God, creation, and humanity. But obviously, we don't live in that seventh day now. Because of our sin, because we've tried to live in this world without recognizing God as God, we live in a world cursed by God, full of conflict, full of suffering, full of arguments, full of sickness, full of death, a world where we have to buy insurance. And there are two ways to respond to that reality. We can either yoke ourselves to Jesus, to that yoke that he says is easy and light, Or we can have that yoke that leaves us weary and weighed down. Now, Jesus, when he was speaking about that, he primarily, I think, had in mind the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day, who later in the gospel, Jesus says, were laying intolerable burdens on people. They were trying to respond to this situation of restlessness in the world, the broken relationship we have by God, by giving people more and more rules to improve their life, more and more regulations. Instead of admitting that that we needed God's help, instead of throwing themselves on God's mercy, 
They were encouraging people to be proud, to think you can fix it yourself. And Jesus, a little bit, if you turn over a few pages, you see Jesus saying that they were leaving people in a worse state than they, are, they were before. Their self-help efforts were leaving people self-reliant, proud. And this is what Jesus is praying about. Flick back to chapter 11, verse 25. This is his description of, of how things are. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. It's a striking verse, isn't it? The wise and the understanding, those who are proud of their own wisdom, thinking they can work out life. They can work out how to have a relationship with God through their own efforts. The little children, those who are willing to admit that they need help, willing to admit they need God to do something for them, those who are willing to come to Jesus. And if you had time later, you look at the events around this passage, you see, see that being worked out. Jesus has been proving that he is the one who brings the seventh day rest. He's been giving sight to the blind, healing the deaf, raising the dead. He's been bringing restoration to his creation. But many just can't see it. They, they ignore him. They reject him. They even try to stop him healing people on the Sabbath, the very day you'd expect him to be healing people. God is is blinding them because of their pride, because they think they can do it themselves. And as we look around at our society today, it's not not difficult to see something similar, is it? We, We recognize the problems in our world, but instead of turning to Jesus, we try and sort it out ourselves. We do make a little bit of progress in one way or another, but then we just grow in our own human pride. The progress is just temporary, and then we're left back where we started, weighed down by frustration and failure. Whether it's you spot something like discrimination or abuse, how do we deal with that? Well, we cancel some people, we promote certain behaviors, we produce some legislation, but what does it lead to? It doesn't actually deal with it in in the long term. I used to work... As I said, as a civil servant, I used to work at the home office, and one day they showed us into the library, and they had these kind of shelves with all the various acts and laws that had been passed over the years. And you saw the, the ones for a century before, there was one or two on the shelf, then a few decades later, one or two, and then in recent years, just whole shelves of them. we become addicted to trying to solve things through legislation. Nothing wrong with law, good law is good, but... We're deluded if we think it can deal with the root problem. Sometimes we turn to technology or vaccines to better political systems, but we know at the end of the day, it doesn't deal with that root problem, our relationship with God. We can do it personally, can't we? I nag my kids. I say, you know, you need to follow these rules. Do live this way. I nag myself. You need to have more discipline. But again, it's not, it might not be bad things in and of themselves, but it's not getting to the heart of the issue. We have a little bit of short-term success. We maybe get a bit fitter, a bit more disciplined. But then what happens? It all falls apart, doesn't it? We all end up dead. We have better relationships for a period. People die. We face God in judgment. We're burdened. We're weary. But Jesus has come to bring relief, to rescue us, to give us rest. And what we saw patterned in in the Garden of Eden, if you flick to the end of your Bible, you'll see laid out there that that perfect new creation that he brings, where everything 
is as it should be, perfect harmony, productive, healthy. In this life, Jesus doesn't promise to give us perfect circumstances, but he does promise to give us rest for our souls. And I guess the point is that actually when it comes down to it, rest is not primarily about those better circumstances. It's primarily about a relationship with Jesus, about living with him under his rule, serving him, doing what we were meant to be doing back in the garden, that perfect relationship with with God the Father through Jesus. I love that quote from C.S. Lewis. I'm sure you may have heard it. The, The person who has God but has nothing else has no less than the person who has God and everything else. Do you believe that? That's a big, big thing to say, isn't it? But that's, that's, I think, what Jesus is saying. If you really understand what it means to walk with me, you will have rest for your souls. You've got it all. And that doesn't actually lead to inactivity, does it? The people who are most at rest are those who often are the most most passionate about growing in, in Christ-likeness, in being godly, in serving him, in being active in the world. Over the last few days on the BBC website, they had that big list of all the people, all the celebrities who died in 2022. And one guy who wasn't on there was a chap called Brother Andrew. You might have heard of him, a guy who spent his life taking Bibles behind the Iron Curtain to China to, to the Muslim world. I read that book a couple of years ago, and you see how much he, he loves the Lord, how, how secure he feels in his relationship with the Lord. That's what's driving that activity. It doesn't lead to inactivity. It doesn't lead to a weary, begrudging service of the Lord, but a joy and a, an overflowing passion for the things of God. Now, hopefully, there may be a couple of us who are asking, well, how can I be sure that I have this rest You just don't know how I messed up, even in 2022, let alone the years before. Well, verse 27, if you scan your eye up to that, it just reminds us that we we aren't the ones who choose Jesus, ultimately. No one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. We need to recognize, we need Jesus to choose us. But the good news is that We can know that he has chosen us if we accept his gracious invitation in the next verse. If we accept that our striving, our labor is not going to get us anywhere, we can be sure that he has accepted us because, why? Because of what he is like. Have a look again at verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. What an extraordinary thing for the Son of God, the the one who's in charge of the whole universe, to say, I am gentle and lowly in heart. He is the gentle, humble Savior and leader. Verse 25, he reminds us that he has all power and authority from the Father. But because he is gentle and lowly in heart, he uses that power and authority to reveal God to us, to enable us to be forgiven, to have, have rest. His gentleness, his lowliness of spirit means he humbled himself to going to that cross to fulfill the Father's plan of rescuing us, of giving us rest, as he took on himself the the burden of our sin, our rebellion against God, the pride and the self-dependence, the punishment that we deserve for that. He took it on himself and gave us his perfection. 
But then maybe you say, but I'm still not convinced I really want his yoke. I still think deep down I could do a better job of running my life. I'm just not sure Jesus really knows what I'm going through, what I have to deal with day to day. It, does, it still scares me a little bit, accepting his yoke. In the Old Testament, the word yoke was used of those conquering emperors. Think of Nebuchadnezzar. Think of Cyrus wielding their yoke on, on the people they'd conquered. But again, Jesus is gentle, lowly in heart. He is the king and the Lord, but he's also gentle and lowly. He's for us. He's the leader who serves us. He knows what's best for our relationships, what's best for our money, best for our job. We can trust him. But then you might say, well, but how can Jesus' yoke really be so easy day to day? I know I've heard a little bit of the Sermon on the Mount. His standards are really high. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. He gives us the great commission. It sounds pretty daunting. But again, he is gentle and lowly. He is for us. He will help us. He will do the heavy lifting. When we stuff up, don't be embarrassed. Come to him. Don't be full of shame and turn somewhere else. He is full of compassion for us. And as we live his way, as we love our enemies, do the things that sound so counterintuitive. We, we don't lie when we're in trouble. We don't get angry. We, we do things his way. Actually, it's so much easier than living, living in a way that is in rebellion against him. Okay, you say, but what about this soul rest? I still feel anxious. I look ahead and I'm prone to worry. I'm definitely like that. Well, let's mull on what he's like. He is gentle and lowly. If we admit our sin and our failure to him, He is the servant. He is the one who doesn't crush the the bruised reed. He is the one who won't uh, snuff out the smoldering wick. As we accept his good leadership of us, his compassionate leadership of us, we will experience the soul rest. So are you convinced that Rob was right? If we remember that being Christian is all about coming to Jesus then being Christian is the best thing to focus on in 2023. It's the best approach to take. It may not not always be a happy, happy new year, a happy year, but it will definitely be the best state to be in, whether our business decisions fly or whether they come crashing down, whether our health is in a mess or not, whether people like us or not. Walking with Jesus is the only path to take. Now, I think it would be a great thing to take this passage away, think about it some more, pray it through. If you're someone you've never surrendered to Jesus and his yoke, ask him to reveal himself to you, to lift your burden and give you that rest. For those of us who are Christians, as we look out on all those around us in our offices, weighed down with a a self-help religion that cannot deliver them, don't offer them your opinions, don't offer them St. Helens, don't offer them our ideas, offer them Jesus Christ. You could pray for, pray for yourself, definitely, but pray for a few individuals that you know. Here's a, a few that I've been trying to pray for over the last couple of days. They're not city workers, so don't, don't worry. It's none of you. I do try and pray for one of two of you, but I'm not going to mention you now. But I was thinking of a young Christian I know who's really struggling in the battle with sin. I'm praying that he'd keep repenting. He'd keep surrendering to Jesus' yoke, knowing that that is the best way, that Jesus is gentle and lowly and wants what's best for him. Thinking of a couple of guys who marriages are falling apart in the turmoil and praying that they would still know that they have that rest with 
with Christ. That they bring all their worries about that, all their guilt about that to him and know that he is definitely doing what's best for them. I'm thinking of somebody somewhere else who's trying to get behind the advance of the gospel. He's facing people rejecting, praying that he'd not be tempted to try and give them something else, but to keep, like the Lord Jesus is doing, keep making this offer open to those around. So let's pray, pray this through. Take it away, mull on it, chew it over, and it will be it will lead you. The Lord Jesus will lead you through the year ahead. Let's pray, pray together. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Our Heavenly Father, we recognize you have hidden yourself from those who take pride in their own wisdom and understanding. So we humbly ask that, there, that you would reveal yourself to us through the Lord Jesus, that there would be many across this city who this year surrender to to you surrender to the lord jesus and not to the yoke of self-reliance please keep us from doing that from surrendering again to that that yoke that is so heavy and something we cannot bear on our own please keep us convinced of what jesus is like thank you that he is gentle and lowly in heart keep us leaning on him living with him knowing that he alone gives us true rest please keep us christian this year in jesus name Amen.